0: The T Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark. This is the Tea Health Show. And in studio, we have, as always, Sister Elise van Art, one of our right-hand people in the practice, Sister Lena Hamer, or Mitchell, actually, mm-hmm. now. And we have Dante Ludati, one of our cohorts. It's um The first episode for 2024, we are 165 shows down the line. Yeah. Mm, Sure. So, um, today we decided to talk a little bit about the importance of hormones. What they are, what they do, why we need them, and why they go out of balance. Am I correct? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So... Dante, start us off.
1: Okay. I think let's just jump straight in. Um, let's jump straight in. We we keep on hearing this word hormones, I and mean, it's bandied around a the place. It's, it's, you know, flavor of the week or the month. Um, but I would like to know, and I think a lot of people would like to know exactly what is a hormone. Explain the
0: word hormone, what it does. Why is it so important? Okay. So... Think about hormones as chemical messengers. And they are proteins, etc., etc., that are made by certain types of tissue, usually glands, and then they circulate in your bloodstream to other organs as well as Tissue like the skin, the muscles, etc., etc., and they tell that tissue what to do and when to do it. So it's basically the way in which the body controls its systems. Now, without hormones, you cannot survive you cannot live because there's no signaling for the body to do what it's supposed to do hormones are very powerful chemicals so we need very very little of them to elicit a reaction and they are responsible for a couple of main functions so metabolism Now, just to explain what metabolism is, metabolism is the sum total of all the chemical processes that happens in the body. So we can break them down into three big groups. It's number one, using the food that you have and extracting energy out of the food so that you can run cellular processes. So that's the one thing. The other one is to make proteins, make nucleotides, make peptides, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the third aspect of metabolism is eliminating, eliminating waste. So think about everything that you need to take in to give you energy to make substances and then to eliminate the substances. So that's the sum total of metabolism homeostasis, which is the internal balance of stuff, is the second thing that your hormones are responsible for. So if the balance between cells, um, what's happening inside cells and what's happening outside of cells, what's happening in your blood vessels and what's happening out of your blood vessels, if that goes out, it's, it's a big stuff up, okay? Growth and development, sexual functioning, Reproduction. And the ones that people forget is that your hormones are responsible for your sleep-wake cycle. And it's something that we'll talk a lot about this year, I think, sleep. Yes. And then mood. Your hormones are responsible for those seven big functions, which is responsible for health, well-being, and ultimately, you know, it's survival. So does that make?
1: It does. But now, are they manufactured in different parts of the body, different hormones in different parts of the body? I
2: do think mm-hmm. we need to ask the question, where's the control center of the hormones?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And where does it go from there?
0: So if we look at that system, it's called the endocrine system. Okay. So your endocrine system is made up of all the different tissues that produce Hormones. So these are glands, it, it can be the skin plays a part, your nervous system, um, and the neurons itself play a part in your endocrine system. Um, and the endocrine system is very complex because it, there's a connection between the nervous system itself. So think of your electrical wiring and then the glandular part. So it needs to connect somewhere, and that connects in the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus is the part of the brain that's responsible for taking electrical messages and turning them into chemical messages. And your hypothalamus then uh, stimulate predominantly the pituitary gland. It can There's other glandular tissue that it can stimulate directly, but most of it happens through the pituitary gland. So I want to say that the pituitary gland, hypothalamus, adrenals, you know, adrenals. Sister Elise, you can explain a little bit more about the adrenals. Yeah,
2: the adrenals is a little gland that sits on top of the kidney Mm -hmm. and that controls our... um, stress levels as well as sex hormones etc etc
0: yeah it's it's so you have an axis basically hypothalamus ad, um, pituitary adrenal axis and that's basically your control center and that's where things often go wrong
2: and it's important to just reiterate that hormones doesn't mean sex hormones
0: only No, you know what, um, Helena, do you want to venture a guess about how many hormone scientists have um, discovered?
3: Um, Seven,
0: eight. It's a little bit more than that. Oh, 15.
3: Yeah. About 50, I
2: would say. And just to think of a few is your thyroid hormone. We don't think about that as a hormone in the layman's terms. People always think of testosterone, estrogen as your hormones.
0: But but does the thyroid manufacture one hormone? Or is, does it no, control? the thyroid is actually responsible. F- the thyroid process in itself has f- five different hormones directly.
1: Okay.
0: Um, I think one of the things that we need to remember is hormones are linked to one another. They work in cascades. So one hormone will stimulate the release of another hormone, of another hormone, of another hormone, giving you an end hormone, like testosterone, for instance. If we we ask the layman, and Elise, I I think – We've spoken about this before, Elena. If I if I ask a, a, a lady in the street, name hormones, I, let's talk about your hormones. What does she usually talk about? Um, she'll
3: usually talk about um, menstruation.
0: So estrogen, estrogen,
3: progesterone. Yes,
0: and that's what they yeah. think, you yeah. know. But so for women, it's menopause. Estrogen may be progesterone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I ask a guy about hormones, what does he usually say? Testosterone. No, you see, my wife. That's that's the other hormone. Yes. Okay. Okay, Because, and, and they also think estrogen for women. Maybe testosterone for men, but that's just two hormones. What people tend to forget is that estrogen and testosterone is inextricably linked to one another.
2: And the end hormones, basically.
0: Yes, well, not even the end hormones. They're the main hormones, but from them, you know, which you have your metabolites, which are also hormones, which are also active. Metabolites? What are metabolites? So the metabolites is you take testosterone, And you metabolize it. In other words, you change it. Remember I said metabolism means that you you produce stuff like hormones and peptides and proteins and all of those kind of stuff. So um, if we look, for instance, just at the sex hormone cascade, just the sex hormone cascade, so in other words, testosterone and estrogen, follows the same pathway. You start with the hypothalamus releasing um, gonadotropic hormone, okay? And that stimulates the pituitary gland. And the pituitary gland now releases follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And luteinizing hormone works on the ovaries and the testicles, and it produces testosterone. But in that process, we have metabolic pathways that include five different hormones. You have DHEA, DHEAS, pregnenolone, 17-alpha-hydroxypregnenolone, preg- uh, 7 alpha uh, progesterone. and then we get to testosterone. And from testosterone, you have two different pathways. The one is a reduction where you actually break stuff off the Testosterone molecule, and you make DHT (dihydroxytestosterone), which is the more active part of testosterone, but it's also responsible for side effects. And then you have an aromatization process. Um, where you take testosterone and you make estrogen, that's where the most women's estrogen come from. Our te- estrogen come from is from testosterone, and we forget this. So I like to call it the symphony of hormones. Hormones ebb and flow over time, daily, monthly, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. And you need the correct amount of hormones and hormone imbalances, which is the symptoms that we feel, happens when you have too little or too much of a hormone. Now, I like to use the analogy of a cake recipe. You have this award-winning cake recipe, and that means that, you know what, you are performing at your peak. You are in perfect health, and it's usually around our early 20s when um, we get to that award-winning recipe. Now, ask any baker, what happens when you take a recipe that was written for a chocolate cake And you start fiddling around with the ingredients. If you put a different kind of flour or more flour or less flour, it changes the consistency of a cake. If it asks for, um, you know, a certain amount of cocoa and you put in less, you're going to get a different type of cake. If you put in more, you're going to get a different type of cake. And... That's the symphony of hormones. If they don't all play in tune at the correct point in time, the experience of a piece of music that you hear is distorted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is with, with health. If one of the hormones are out of balance, if it's not acting at the point where it's supposed to act, or if it's overacting or underacting, it leads to a cascade of different things and everything goes out of that.
1: But now, you, you you mentioned earlier that they're all kind of interlinked. Um, so if I come to you and I say, well, I think my testosterone is out and, you know, could you do it? And, and if as soon as surely as soon as you start fiddling with one of them, you're going to have to take into consideration or the other
2: hormones. Because it works in a cascade, yeah. yes. You Absolutely. Need to so adjust everything. Mm. It's I, not I, a silver bullet, so it's not a it's not a straightforward
0: process no, at all. No, it's not. No. Helena, you've been with us now for a year. Um your your history is that of an ICU trained nurse. You worked in dialysis units. You worked as a wound specialist. Um you did General nursing on big oil rigs and oil ships. Um, did they ever teach us about this in med school?
3: No, you you do get the basics, but there's extra things. So sometimes the the body is so um, complicated, and you don't realise that there's. Uh, for me, it was a big learning curve. Um, I'm used to you. Uh, you get all these. Um, organs and everything going but then you realise that everything interlinks with each other mm. so you learn of everything but not in depth of hormone imbalances what hormone imbalances really um, causes um, later on in menopause and um, um, that type of thing Yeah, but isn't all of
1: this the, the, the whole subject of hormones and, and um, how to approach hormones and so on isn't that a, a fairly sort of Um, newish area? Because I don't remember when I was growing up people talking about hormones. It just seems to
0: have been a a kind of a new
1: thing that people are playing with.
0: um, The answer to that is a simple yes. Elise, do you agree?
1: I'm
2: thinking back of what Dante is saying now. Mm. And I'm thinking typically... Of when we were children and there was a bigger girl or an um, um, overweight girl in school, people will say there's something wrong with her hormones. But nobody knows. They wouldn't me. have known what it was. What it they? was. Yeah.
0: So, you know, but I I, I tend to agree. Remember we did a, a show, oh God, I can't remember, uh, many, uh, many moons ago. And... Um, we, I, I think it was a woman's journey to orgasm or something like that that we've done, where we spoke about menopause and um, one of the things I think that we need to remember is up until the 1800s, uh, even into the early 1900s, um, women had a shorter life expectancy, and when we started reading menopausal age going into their fifties and later on, um, especially maybe in the perimenopausal period. Yeah. Um, when people didn't realize, you know, what you have optimal hormone levels, some of these women were institutionalized for um, what? For the hot flushes, for mood swings, for irritability. Yeah, it
2: was seen as a psychiatric problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but that just sounds
0: absurd. Yeah,
2: but we know more nowadays. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. the answer.
0: Absolutely. You know what? Ask any woman that has severe menopausal symptoms. It's not only the hot flushes, but the depression, the anxiety, um, mm. the mood swings, the irritability, the emotional ability, where they'll be laughing and the next moment while they're laughing, they start crying and they don't know why. They think they're going mad. And men approach
2: their andropause which is male menopause differently. That's where the, the midlife thing, crisis midlife crisis come from Is they go out and look for newer pastures, greener pastures and buying buying cars that is um,
0: <laughs> indicative of their willies yeah.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: small yeah. and flat oh, <laughs> um,
1: okay, but surely a man's um, menopause or andropause doesn't show itself in the same way that a woman's one does a woman's one from what i i know anyway is, is more obvious
0: you know the hot flush
1: and you would, the you would actually so on. think that yeah, hmm. yeah, um, I wanted to you say would that. think
0: that but it's not true hmm. um, men present with basically exactly the same symptoms of menopause but
2: they're not allowed to be emotional yeah. and
0: irritable okay. and because
2: you're not, yeah, a, yeah. You, you're a man. you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, women are more in tune with that side of the. When
0: world. we when we did the promo for this show, I, I spoke about biological lifespan. So if we look at the biological, I so said biological lifespan is the lifespan that is biologically ingrained into your DNA. So let's think about mammals, for instance. Um, We have dogs, big dogs, average lifespan, what, about 10 years? 10, 12, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Smaller dogs, maybe a little bit longer, 14, 15 years. Mm -hmm. When you have cats, cats have a slightly longer lifespan. When you have rodents with a very short lifespan. When you have rabbits with a longer one. And when you get to your apes, um, now your, your primates, um, can live a little bit longer. Chimpanzees, uh, maybe some orangutans live up to about 30. Chimpanzees, maybe a little bit longer. Humans, probably about 38, 40. Now you have a couple of, of mammals that live longer than us. And, you know, but the one that comes to mind are your whales, and your elephants, elephants' uh, lifespan uh, approximately 50, which is longer than humans, and whales can go up to 17. You know, but you have your, um, I think it's the the gray whale that can live up to 200 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, that so that's cool. the biological lifespan. Mm-hmm. Now what humans have done through the advances in medicine you know, these visa antibiotics and surgeries and treatments for cancer, et cetera, etc, cetera, living in communities, farming, etc we've we've prolonged our lifespan, but we haven't changed our biology. and if we understand that concept, we will understand that One of the, and one, this is only one of the factors that has an impact on hormone levels, hormone balance is age. As we get older, things start breaking and slowing down. It's the normal route to dying off. Think about a herd animal. They grow up as, you know, they get born into a herd, they calves, and they are more prone to being eaten. Pre- predated on, okay? And as they get older, they become stronger, and it, there's less chance of them falling ill and uh, falling Prey to predators. But as they get older, they start weakening. They start moving to the outskirts of a herd where they are more prone to fall um, victim to disease, injury, etc., etc. And humans are exactly the same. So as we get older, we start developing the diseases of aging. Now, the diseases of aging is very simple. It's cardiovascular disease, muscle loss, bone loss, cognitive decline, cancer, and diabetes. Those are diseases of aging, and they have everything to do with hormone balance. As for hormone balance it starts going out of whack, it, it leads to these diseases forming. So here we can specifically think of diabetes. As your insulin levels and your glucose metabolism starts declining or not functioning properly, whether it's due to age, medication, et cetera, et cetera, people develop diabetes, which is a progressive disease, which affects your organs, et cetera, et cetera, and you will die from it. Cancer is another another, um, example If we think about it, very few children have cancer. It's a genetic problem that causes cancer in children. We start developing cancer as we get older because the body's reparative functions and metabolic functions and homeostatic functions, which are under the control of hormones, starts declining. So you don't repair, you don't make and things go out of balance. It's like your car. If it's new, you take it for a, for 10,000 kilometers and an easy drive, and then you can say the car is driven in, and now, you know what, it goes beautifully. And if you don't service the car regularly, it starts going into disrepair, and the body is exactly the same.
1: But now, um, if you say that, that the diseases that you've mentioned are related to um, – a loss of hormone, does that mean that you can reverse them
0: if you supplement the hormones? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, d- I don't want to say that you can reverse them completely, but you can definitely slow them down and you can definitely slow down the progression to disease.
3: You improve your, your life, um, Way of living. That's what also it makes just lifestyle changes, lifestyle sure. changes your living style. Uh, um, yeah, so it just improves your your lifestyle ahead of you if you start balancing yeah. your hormones as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know what, Dante? If think of your hormones as um, a series of dams, mm-hmm. okay, and they all work with negative feedback and positive reinforcement. So if we have a lot of something, the body is going to say, I have enough, stop making. So that's the negative feedback. So it stops. Um, So it's like um, when you have rain in the mountains and all that rain starts coming down the rivers and it goes into the first dam. Now this dam starts filling up. And if I don't have negative feedback by opening the sluice gates, so that some of the water can go out, this dam is going to overflow. So it works downstream. Um, If I block one of the rivers, a new dam forms, and then eventually that dam will overflow, and it will flow in different directions. You might have, instead of a downhill towards the south, um, you might have... Um, a cascade now that um, the weakest point of the new form dam is on the eastern side, and then the water flows down there and you form a new river so can you can you see what happens all the way downstream yeah yeah. And hormones work in the same way. If I have too much of something, it's going to stop other things. If I have too little, I'm going to have a problem because I have a drought, I have, I'll have famine, I won't have water. Just ask the people in the Eastern Cape and in Cape Town what happened when they didn't have enough water. So that's how hormones work.
2: Okay, but aside from, from aging, and we, know, we understand that, the biological age and how your hormones or your systems doesn't work properly anymore. What other causes are there for hormone imbalances? Mm.
0: Elise, one of the things that we need to remember, I think, is lifestyle plays a role there. And when we talk about lifestyle, it's not just about diet. It's not just about exercise. I think one of the biggest disruptors of hormone balancing is stress and sleep. If we don't sleep properly, sleep is where the body repairs itself. And if you don't get enough sleep or not enough quality sleep, that repair process doesn't happen. And that causes further hormone imbalances. One of the other hormones that people sometimes might know about is the stress hormone called cortisol. Now, cortisol is a stress hormone, yes, but the main aim of cortisol is to control your blood pressure and your blood sugar. So if we are stressed, we release cortisol into the system. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if it happens chronically, and if a cortisol doesn't come down, we have an overstimulation. And now, because of a direct effect of cortisol on blood pressure, we start developing hypertension. Because of the direct effect that cortisol has on blood sugar, it takes sugar, glucose, out of your muscles and pushes it into your bloodstream. Where it creates damage, sugar is an inflammatory hormone. It elevates insulin levels, which is another hormone. It has an impact on vitamin D, vitamin D, which is a hormone. It's the hormone that is most probably closest linked to communication between systems. Without vitamin D, systems shut down because they can't communicate with one another. And here we're specifically thinking of the brain. We we know that there's a higher incidence of dementia in patients who have vitamin D deficiency. And now dementia is one of the symptoms of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease, so cognitive decline, um, Then medication, the medications that we are taking, whether it's for blood pressure, whether it's for glucose, um, whether it's for thyroid, can disrupt um, other hormones that we are taking like your contraceptives. They create hormone imbalances. Why? Because it acts on that same system. I'm giving you a hormone for free. The body says, okay, I have enough. I don't need to make. But then you don't switch off just that one hormone. You switch off the pathway of hormones. Sister Elise, yesterday or two days ago when we came back into the office, it was on Tuesday, hey? Mm-hmm. Um, found a, a, a study on one of the most common and most underdiagnosed conditions for
2: Untreated women as
0: well. um, polycystic ovarian disease, which is a really, really complicated hormonal system because it starts with a hypothalamus, it starts with a pituitary gland, it involves the adrenals, it involves the ovaries, it involves your insulin levels um so, medication plays a role. Um, treatment for conditions like uh, surgery can damage glandular tissue. It can disrupt uh, the flow of um, a hormonal system.
2: Heat trauma. Yeah. Hysterectomy. Yeah, um, Hysterectomy but I'm thinking about specific mm-hmm. trauma
0: to the head. Mm-hmm. Well, not only trauma to the head. Think about trauma to the kidneys. The adrenals mm-hmm. get damaged. No, I, 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 trauma yeah, I mean, trauma to the abdomen where your liver gets impacted or your pancreas gets impacted. So, yes, trauma by itself, I think, Elise, is a good one to say. Um, chemotherapy, cancer therapy, chemo and radiation therapy. It disrupts the hormonal systems, absolutely. Now, the other one that has become um, so common placed in medical vernacular is the microbiome, in other words, your gut and the microbes that live on the skin. You know, with disrupting your skin's microbiome like we did with COVID by wearing masks and disinfecting, people start getting, uh, started getting acne, they downregulated the immune systems, and that's just by using disinfectants on the skin. The skin is a barrier, and it, it has uh, friendly organisms that live on that. And if you kill them or disrupt them, you create a space for um, pathogenic bacteria to start growing, and now you start developing problems. We see that as well with the gut microbiome. There's more microbes that live in your gut than you have cells in your body. People tend to forget we have a hundred trillion microbes in the gut. The human uh, body consists maybe of a trillion cells. So, you know, it's a trillion times a hundred. More So you are more microbe than anything else. Now, things that can disturb that is antibiotics. If you take antibiotics, you kill the bacteria in your gut. And it asked anyone who had a course of antibiotics that suddenly developed diarrhea uh, or constipation. Um, Pesticides, the food that we eat, the hormones that we take in, not only disturbs the microbiome, but, you know, we think here of microplastics, uh, insecticides that mimic estrogen, actually, Um, our water's contaminated, etc., etc. So there's so many things that can disrupt it. It's really difficult to keep balance nowadays.
2: What is the influence? And I'm just—I just thought of this <coughs> influence of heavy metals, and I'm thinking mercury and stuff on hormone um, balance or imbalance.
0: So, when you think about your heavy metals—iron, mercury, lead, etc., etc.—they disrupt enzymatic processes. Okay. So, enzymes break things down or build things up. Um. So they form part of metabolism homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So with your heavy metals, you disrupt stuff. What I think people tend to forget is um, so many of us have jumped on the bandwagon of taking this supplement and that supplement and that supplement without really knowing what's in these supplements. Now, because the body is phenomenal at regulating its own balance through homeostasis, um, we don't often get confronted with that. But if we, for instance, look at um, daily recommended dose of certain uh, trace elements, and here we're thinking of a metal, zinc, selenium, copper, those kind of things. So I take a multivitamin and it contains 30 grams of, or 30 micrograms of selenium. And then I take another supplement that also has a little bit of selenium in. But my daily recommended dose that I should be taking is only 40, and I'm getting in 60. Over time, you know what? I will build up selenium because it's one of the difficult things to excrete. You don't excrete metals very easily. It's quite difficult. You excrete it through the gut and you might excrete it a little bit through the kidneys, but they do become cumulative. And then instead of doing the body favors, I'm, I'm toxifying the body. So you can, you can overdo stuff like that. So yes, your, your metals, your vitamins and, and, and stuff like that can also disrupt uh, metabolic pathways but and lead the, to hormone imbalance.
2: The excretion happens usually through your liver, through your gut, through your kidneys. Well, and <coughs> how does it influence those organs? And I'm talking about excessive vitamins and heavy metals, etc. Do you develop diseases, or do you inc- curb the the production of hormones in those organs? and can that brings in bal- bring imbalance.
0: Yeah, instead? absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the body as I said is brilliant at regulating its its balance. Yeah. But you know what it can only do so to a point. Yes. So let's say for instance you have a metal toxicity and you now get a hepatitis it would be far worse than if you had a normal liver or normal liver function. Mm -hmm. So these things can disrupt the normal function. The organ is still functioning, but there's a difference between normal and optimal functioning. And one of the things that we do at the T clinic is put emphasis on there's a difference between what's considered just to be normal and optimal for the individual, every single person. And here we use the words individual, unique. Every person is unique. Yes, most of us have the same kind of uh, makeup and we will function the same. That's what makes us a species. But in, in each person, things work a little bit differently.
1: I was going to ask you, um, what happens if um, <clears throat> I come to you as a patient? I mean, how would I be treated? Um, if I say to you that I feel that, that I'm just kind of off balance or off kilter, what would be the procedure? Um, how would you go about you
0: treating me? You know what? Me? Number one, you start with understanding the patient. In, in our practice, what the three of us do, is we always start with why are you here? What brought you to us? Mm. What are you presenting with? And it would be sometimes something as. um, What's interesting for me is they
2: they come with a specific thought. For mm -hmm. instance, I want to lose weight. Uh, Or um, I think there's something wrong with my hormones. And then we will ask the question, but why are you saying that? What? do you present with? You say now, I'm, I'm feeling off-kilter, mm. but off-kilter is so vague, yeah. we, can't, well,
1: exactly, yeah.
2: we can't say, okay, that's why you are
3: off-kilter. Yeah, sure. exactly.
2: And then we start exploring mm. what is the symptoms mm. that you experience. And then also, Dr. Mark can continue now, but we start with the medical history that's starting to understand. What is happening with you? What happened with you previously? What's your history, et cetera? Elise,
0: can we just stop there for a second? I think taking a good medical history is an art and it's very difficult because patients forget mm. um, what, what they have encountered throughout their lives. So what I would do is I would ask them, okay, what diseases, what serious infections and diseases have you had in your life? And here we include things like um, patient would answer me, uh, no, no. And then I'd say, have you had COVID? Oh, yeah, I've had COVID twice. Have you had malaria? Oh, yeah, when I was a child. Have you ever been bitten by ticks? Did you have? Did you ever have tick bite fever? Belladonna. Um, and they forget about that. And then we would ask, Do you have any chronic conditions? High blood pressure, cholesterol problems. Have you ever been diagnosed with asthma or uh, sugar? problems whether it's insulin resistance or diabetes have ever anyone ever said to you that your thyroid hormone isn't functioning properly and that's without you know even getting to the serious stuff like heart attacks and strokes and cancers and hepatitis and um things like that and then we ask okay what surgery have you had and why did you have a surgery um Oh my God, you know, but some people can't even remember what surgeries they've had. And then we go into a family history, which is incredibly important to us. Because if you have a family history of cardiovascular disease, um, we need to factor it in into your medical history. Are you, do you have a predisposition to this? Is this genetic condition or is it just a lifestyle condition? And we find that if a mother and a father both have cholesterol, the chances of you having high cholesterol or disrupted lipid metabolism is 90% if not more.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: And and we also look for uh, cancer trends. You know, cancer has a genetic component, but a weak genetic component. But it gives us an idea of where you are at and what has happened to you previously. Once we've done that, if it's a woman, we go into a very detailed menstrual history because Understanding the menstrual history, the problems that they had during uh, their reproductive years, if they had any, the problems with pregnancies, et cetera, et cetera, tells us a great deal whether, you know, what we should be on the lookout for polycystic ovarian disease, whether we should be um, examining iron because they had endometriosis or uh, things like that, or they might have endometriosis, which is an inflammatory condition. So it's going to push up your inflammatory markers, which is going to lead to systemic inflammation, which predisposes you to other autoimmune conditions. So it's it's getting a good understanding of what is happening with a patient. And then only, that takes us twenty minutes, half an hour, Just the medical history, right? We haven't touched on anything new. And then we go into, What are the symptoms? What is it that you are experiencing? And it's not the patient that volunteers. They volunteered what they're experiencing previously. But we ask general questions like, is there any mood changes? Um, Are you more irritable? Is your mood up and down? Um, Are you uh, feeling more down than up? Are you presenting with anxiety? What is happening with cognitive functioning, concentration, memory, motivation, energy levels? We talk about sleep. We talk about pain. We talk about higher function, libido, sex drive, motivation, those kind of stuff. Weight, weight changes. Weight changes, whether you're losing weight or gaining weight, is a sure indication that there's a metabolic uh, condition underlying. People forget that rapid weight loss, unexplained weight loss, is one of the biggest warning signs that you can have. Sexual dysfunction, whether it's my libido is not where it used to be, um, or I have vaginal dryness, or my erections aren't as strong as they used to be, that's an indication of something underlying. It's not just oh, there's a hormonal problem. It can be that you have a cardiovascular issue. It might be that you have diabetes that hasn't been diagnosed or that you have high cholesterol that hasn't been diagnosed. So small, small little things tells us a lot if you know what to look for and if you understand what the patient is saying. And that's crucial. So when you come to us, you know, you go through two consultation processes. The first one is fact-finding. The second one is investigation and explanation.
1: And would you then send the patient for blood tests? So oh, b- that's
0: why I say investigation okay. and explanation. Once you have um, a clinical history, which is what I think is lacking in today's medicine, I you know, but all of us have have completed our medical degrees 30 years ago. And… The cornerstone of medicine back then was you get a history from a patient, you examine the patient, and on that you make a diagnosis, which then you confirm with very targeted investigations, like one or two different blood tests. Why? Because it was too expensive in the government to do a battery of tests. You waited, what, we waited sometimes up to, a week, two weeks to get a CT scan done. Um, you know, it's, So you had to make a clinical diagnosis. Um, and I think that's a little bit lacking today. Number one, maybe the resources aren't there. But I, I also think that medicine has taken a step back. And instead of relying on sensors, um, they're relying on technology. Mm-hmm. So, and then once you have made the diagnosis, now the work starts. This is where, okay, this is what we see. Why are we seeing this and what does it mean? That explanation of blood tests. So you have low iron, okay? What does it mean? Where's the iron going? Why aren't you absorbing iron? Is it your diet, that you're a vegan and not getting iron? Is it that you're not absorbing the iron, which points to a problem with a microbiome? Um, Is it that you're losing iron? Oi, why are you losing iron? Are you bleeding somewhere? Is it from a polyp? Is it from a growth? Et cetera, et cetera. And that will have a systemic effect. But you need to understand why something is happening before you can decide, okay, this is where we are. That's where we need to be. How are we going to get there? And that's incredibly important.
1: Now, from, from what you've been saying then Sister release as well, um, am I right in saying that this is a, a long procedure? It's an ongoing procedure. It's not a consultation today, thank you very much, I'm going to get whatever pills and I'll be okay.
0: It's Absolutely. Eli, Eli, Elise, Eli, you know, do you guys want to answer this question before I, I, I do, weigh in?
2: I do think... Typically any medical diagnosis is you get a pack of pills and you mm. will be fine
0: afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's Instincts. the conception. Let's just let's yeah. just name it. That's yeah. the conception. You go to the doctor, you have a cough or a cold, yeah. he gives you medication, you get better. Unfortunately with hormones it doesn't work like that. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm asking. Yeah.
2: So it's it's definitely a journey and once you start treating hormone imbalances, you can stop but then you will go back to where you, to your biological age, can I put it in inverted commas then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you will go back to where you started before you started with treatment.
1: Okay. I mean, I know that, that it, it varies from person to person, but how quickly or how soon could I expect to see a change?
2: It all depends on your mental
0: state. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, <teasing>. um, Helena, <laughs> you, you, you see most of the guys in the yeah. practice. Um, your experience with them in, in what we do in our practice is once a week, a patient fill in a, a, a self-scoring sheet ah, okay. um, on how they're perceiving their symptoms changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you start seeing changes?
3: Sometimes, it and it depends on patient to patient, not everyone is the same. Sometimes the, after the first time or the first um, treatment, they say the next time when they come back, oh, there was a change. And then afterwards, sometimes four to six weeks that will take for them to, to really have a change. But then if, you, if they start seeing changes, it's actually quite drastically that they start, you can see and you can, experience, their mood, their mental state, everything is starting to improve. Mm. So four to six weeks and even afterwards, after that as well, that they still keep on, um, continue improving um, with, with the treatment.
0: Um, Elise, you are, you are more on the female side in our practice. I'm just the one that dictates what you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with women, it's slightly different.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah it also depends on
0: um, it's it's unique, it's individualized i what I tell my patients is, when they come in and we initiate treatment, week one, uh eh, don't really feel anything. Week two eh, oh, mm. I'm not sure I might be sleeping a little bit better. Usually after the third week, it's, okay, maybe. And for the guys, and this is where I agree with you, around week four, they, when I ask them, okay, are you feeling any side effects? No. Can you feel a difference? Well, yes. You know what? My energy is better. My mood's better. I'm sleeping a little bit better. For the women, I usually find that um, the first thing that change is if they have menopausal symptoms, for instance. Um, that round about week three, week four, they start reporting uh, a decrease in the hot flashes, sometimes a little bit earlier. Yes. But on energy and mood, that takes a little bit longer. Yeah, am I only expecting um, real change round about week six to week eight? Um, remember, we are trying to balance hormone systems, and that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um I now need to take that cake recipe and rewrite it specifically to your taste. Not according to your blood test. Your blood test gives us a very, I, I want to say a very broad indication of where you are and where we need to be. Um, and this is what makes hormone treatment, and I'm talking about all kinds of hormone treatments, whether it's vitamin D or thyroid or insulin or um, t- testosterone, estrogen, um, difficult is every single patient has a sweet spot that's different to the guy before. Yeah.
3: That's what I'm saying. You know, no um,
0: and you need to find the sweet spot. So you need to be adaptable in your treatment. And this is why in our practice, we get so many patients that are, for instance, on hormone replacement therapy, but not getting the results because they, they're not able to adjust the dose. The work that we do in our practice um, which is a specialized practice. And people need to understand this. It's a specialized practice. we multidisciplinary. we we all in the medical field, but all of us come from a slightly different background. Um, my background is uh, gynecology. Sister Elise's background is um, surgery, urology, gynecology. Sister Elena's background is general as well as on the kidney side. So between the three of us, we have enough experience and most importantly, enough time to spend with a patient. You cannot do this as a single mm-hmm. practitioner. You need a team around you um, because it's incredibly involved. It takes time, Every single patient is different. Every single patient's experience is different. And you need to be able to adjust your treatment protocol as you move along along the process. Because by giving testosterone I, 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 in men, I'm going to make more estrogen, which is something that I need to manage. I'm going to have an impact on my iron profile, uh, which is going to have an impact on my thyroid which is going to have an impact on something else. So you constantly need to be in contact with the patient. The patient needs to be adherent. In other words, the patient needs to be involved in the decision-making process. Mm. This is where it differs from a cough or a cold. But here's your antibiotics, go home, get better. It doesn't work like that when it comes to hormone balancing. Um, If we look at simple things like, Blood pressure control. We can put a patient on a on a, a blood pressure tablet, but we don't get the result. Now we need to add another tablet. And usually it's a combination, but the patient still doesn't get the result. So suddenly we add a third one and the blood pressure goes too low. Now we have to start all over again. Um, same happens with... Cholesterol. So, cholesterol is necessary. We, we need cholesterol. It's not the killer that we thought it used to be. It's essential. But we have to have healthy cholesterol. Now, to get healthy cholesterol is difficult. It's lifestyle changes. It's exercise. It's diet. It's sleep. It's management of stress. It's medication. It's hormone balancing. Because all most of your hormones, all your steroid hormones, basically come from cholesterol. So, if you don't have healthy cholesterol, you're not going to make healthy cholesterol. Hormones, so it's very difficult work and it's very intricate.
1: Okay. Um, do you have any stories, any sort of nice stories to share about a patient really having gone through a major change from when they saw you? Start with.
2: Oh, there's so many. Um, usually, and I'm going to generalise now, and I see this with basically men males coming in is this bombastic kind of type of personality and you know um they the world is on their shoulders etc cetera, etc cetera, depressed anxious and what can you actually do for me and, and so on and then how their personality changes when we...
1: So they're quite aggressive to start with and they don't have much faith in what they...
2: Exactly, yeah. And then um, how they change and how good they feel and how they're so thankful of what we've done for them and with the females as well. Usually the females are the ones that comes in as very despondent, been to 10 different doctors, nobody could help them. And then how thankful they are that they can be a person again and be themselves again. That is the biggest um, satisfaction Mm -hmm. that I get out of this work. And weight changes is massive. When we start balancing metabolic disease or uh, treating, treating metabol-
0: metabolic disease. Yes. Um Helena, you saw a couple of big changes oh, yes. in our patients. Yes,
3: I do. You know, especially also the the world's not on their shoulders anymore. It's mm. not. It's di- it's like two different person. The first day they walk in there, they're all up in arms, and all. even personal personal personalities, like how their per- personalities change, and they mm-hmm. really do change, and even. Um, the younger patients as well. That's also nobody talks, or they come in and shy and um, not communicate. And after a while, they are these communicative, talkative people, yeah. and they go out out there.
0: It was but to um, open
3: themselves.
0: It was very interesting for me when I started the tea clinic many years ago, um, that the. Th- I I always asked the guys uh, to, after a couple of weeks, bring their partners, their spouses, their girlfriends in um, with them for a follow-up consultation. And the first thing that I would ask is, I would ask the partner, have you noticed any change? And 90% of the women said, he's a nicer guy to be around. He's not kicking the dog. He's not screaming at the kids. He's not irritable. And it's just because we balance testosterone and estrogen for these guys. Um, They're sleeping better, which makes them less irritable, less anxious. On the women's side, it's… thank you, you've given me my life back. I'm not crying at everything. I'm not snapping at my children. I don't know who that person was, Um, but people at work um, are liking me again. They're coming to my office. um, They're communicating. I have my sex life back. Mm. Um, I'm losing the weight. I cannot tell you how many women sit in our practice with such... Anxiety around their bodies, um, and then they might, you know, carry three or four kilograms, but to them it's tremendous. Um, so for me, that's that's a big thing. What what was quite noticeable. Um, our practice is set out in a way that when I open my office door, there's. Um, uh, a kind of desk in front of me where we explained to patients uh, how to use a medication, et cetera, et cetera. And during December, I walked out of my office a couple of times and people would stop what they were doing and say, I just want to thank you because you've changed my life. And I mean, I look at them and, but uh, you know what, uh, what have we done? I said, you know what, I, I feel so much better. Sampriwe has walked back into the studio. Uh, She's giving me the finger, this time not the lasso. What happened to you? You're rude.
1: Yeah, yeah. you me, Dr. Mark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) After I gave you a compliment. So, um, if we look at at hormones, we need to understand what they are Um, they're chemical messengers. They're essential for life. They control literally every function that you have in your body. There's a lot of things that disrupt them, age being one of them. So as we get older, hormonal changes is inevitable, but they shouldn't be controlling your life. We can balance and fix them. Medication and you know what and here we're thinking of things that are so common nowadays, your antidepressants, your anxiolytics, um, all of those kind of things. The supplementation that we are taking, melatonin, vitamin D, um, DHEA, those kinds of stuff that you get over the counter, they have an impact on hormone balancing. The symptoms that we need to look out for is quite simple. You know what? Small changes, whether it's menstrual changes, whether it's changes in sexual appetite or sexual functioning, whether it's hair loss, whether it's weight gain, weight loss, um, whether it's fatigue, anxiety, depression, all of those simple things can point to hormone imbalances. These are difficult conditions to treat and you actually need to go to the right person. Your GP, most probably the first port of call. But you know what? I want to encourage you to take the time and you're paying for a consultation. Sit with your healthcare provider. Let him explain to you in terms that you understand about what is happening with you? Not, are you getting older, it's normal, or you're going into menopause. You need to understand the condition. You need to understand what would happen to you if you don't treat the condition, which is leading to heart attacks and strokes and cancers and diabetes and weight gain and cognitive decline and bone loss. If you don't treat your hormones, you will get worse. Um, what, is the way, what are the different ways in which way I can treat this? Um, what what are the side effects of treating it? Because we need to understand that. And then please take control. Um, not only do you need to empower yourself with knowledge, but you need to ask questions and you need to be involved. If things are not working the way that you thought they would, go back and speak to your practitioner. Yes, I'm still not feeling the way that I used to feel. Can we try something else? What are the options? And if you run into a brick wall, please go and find someone else. Okay, mm. so where we need to wrap up. Okay, so if you want to know more a little bit about hormones or if you have questions about hormone balancing, hormone imbalances, diseases like diabetes, metabolic disease, cholesterol, weight gain polycystic ovarian disease, et cetera, et cetera, contact us at the T-Clinic. We're here in Brinston, Johannesburg, but we consult with patients telephonically, internationally, as well as all over South Africa. Um, our contact details are 010-824-1393. You can reach us on social media. Just look for the T-Clinic and um, my rooms will be open to giving you some information and maybe a consultation if you want one. Um, ladies, anything from your side?
2: No, I'm good, thank you. So,
0: are we saying adios? Um, yes. Okay. Until next week, where we are talking about good and bad calories. Um, most of us gained a couple of kilograms over the holiday season, I did not. Um, but I did lose muscle um, neither did Elena. We, we actually had a wager at the office and um, no one won so um, we'll be talking about um, how do we get rid of the, the holiday weight, what is it that we can do and until then we wish you all the best in health
2: that was the Tea Health
0: Show empowering you with knowledge Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.